Good morning. I am so glad that you can be joining us online. Look, I would prefer to see you face to face, but considering the circumstances that we're in, I'm really grateful for technology. It's so wonderful that we can live stream and I'm really excited about sharing God's word this morning. You know, about six years ago, I preached a sermon called Running the Race. And at the beginning of this year, I turned that sermon into a five-part devotional series. And at the time of putting that devotion together, I was going through a really difficult time. And I was particularly challenged by a passage of scripture in James that I'm going to share with you a little bit later. And I remember reading that passage and going, I really need to get this. I don't want to just read it. I really need to get it into my spiritual DNA. And as I was going on preparing the, the devotional series, I got really excited and I got inspired. And I thought, I just want to encourage others with this now. And I really felt in my heart that this sermon needs to be preached again. So here we are, six years later, revised and updated second edition, Running the Race. Who loves a good story? Well, I can hear some of the worship team go, yes, that's good, because I'm going to tell you one anyway. Let me read this. The year is 1992, and 27-year-old athlete Derek Redman was favoured to win the 400-metre race at the Barcelona Summer Olympics. However, disappointment came in the semi-final, about 250 metres from the finish. His hamstring tore, and he hobbled to a halt and then fell to the ground in pain. As stretcher bearers made their way over to him, he knew he had to decide. So despite the pain, he stood up and began to hobble along the track. Suddenly, a large man pushed through the crowd, fighting back security. This man was his father. You don't have to do this, he told his weeping son. Yes, I do, his son declared. Well then, replied the father, we're going to finish this together. The father wrapped his arms around the son and helped him hobble through the track. Shortly before the finish line, the father let go of his son and the son completed the race with a standing ovation from a crowd of 65,000 people. It is such an incredible moving story. And every time I've watched that clip, it brings me to tears. I think about Derek Redman and all the hopes and dreams that he had. And when his hamstring tore, he would have been in incredible pain. And yet he had to decide that he was gonna get up. And despite his pain, and we have no idea how bad that was, that he didn't need to finish that race on his own. When his father comes through the crowd, you're just like, oh, it's actually a little bit hilarious because he's pushing back security, like back off. Nothing is gonna stop me getting to my son. It's absolutely incredible that he finished that race. Now, as far as I'm aware, I don't know any Olympians, um, but you know what? We are all running a race. We're all in the great race of our lives. 
And there are many different types of races. We think of the, the hurdles and there's the uh, cross country and there's the relay and the sprint and then there's the gruelling marathon. You know, and for the Christian, we are in the great race of faith. I remember as a young Christian many years ago now, I was at this event and we were sharing the gospel, all young people sharing the gospel with, with um, whoever. It was at Expo 1988, the Pavilion of Promise. Um, some of you have probably been to that pavilion. It was an incredible high-tech story of the gospel. At the end of the six months, we were all in the amphitheatre of the pavilion and there were the leaders and the people who were organising the event. And one of the pastors got up and said, in five years' time, not all of you are going to be following the Lord. And his words struck me. And my immediate response to his words was six words that I said in my head, that's not going to be me. And sadly, many people did fall away from that after that event. It was really tragic. What does the Apostle Paul tell us about running a race? He said, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Can you imagine Paul's disappointment over the Galatian converts? You were running a good race. So that's past tense. Like, what happened? What, what, what was going on, guys? Things were going good. What stopped you from completing your race? And sometimes I think we need to do a spiritual stock take of our own lives and think, how's my race going? How's my race of faith going? Was I running a good race? Have I been slowing down? Or am I still running a strong race? And one thing for sure is the Christian life is not a sprint, it is a marathon. And when I think of a sprint, the 100 metre sprint, I think of it as a prestigious event at the Olympics. Like, who could tell me who the world record holder is for the men's 100 metre final? I'm sure many could. It's Hussein Bolt. So he's held that record since 2009 at 9.58 seconds. How about the woman's record holder? I mean, if you're probably under 30, you'd have no idea. Maybe you would if you're a bit of a historian. It is Florence Griffin Joyner, Flojo. She has held the world record since 1988 at 10.49 seconds. But if I was to ask somebody, well, who's the world record holder for the marathon, for men's or women's? I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know. So that's that very short sprint that's at this prestigious race and then it's over. But it's the marathon that it's so gruelling. Look, sprinters, don't get me wrong, they train hard and you, they work really hard. But when I think what it takes to be a marathon runner and the perseverance and endurance, it just absolutely blows my mind. So how can we run this marathon, this great race of faith that we are in? I'm going to talk about five areas this morning. I'm going to talk about that we need to recognise the obstacles. We need to recognise the battle. We need to understand that trials produce perseverance. 
then we need to train for spiritual endurance and then we're going to cross the finish line. Let me start with recognising the obstacles. I'll read from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's so much in that portion of scripture. And when I think about some of the Bible characters and what obstacles that they need to go through, think of Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Nehemiah and Esther and the Apostle Paul. They had incredible obstacles that they needed to overcome. And what a great example they are for us today. So if they overcome, we can overcome as well. What are the types of obstacles that we can face in our great race of faith? Now, when you think of life circumstances and difficulties that we go through, they can produce all sorts of obstacles. And we can experience things like worry and anxiety because of them, unforgiveness and bitterness, disappointment and discouragement. And we can have offences. We can carry these offences. And they're all obstacles. And we need to recognise those obstacles. Can you imagine running a race? Can you imagine being in the marathon and you've got a backpack on and you're carrying 20 kilos and you're trying to run? in this race, you're not going to be able to do it. But scripture is clear when it says, let a lay aside, throw it off, get rid of it. And then it goes on to say the sin that so easily entangles. I'm such a visual person. I imagine this backpack and this sin that's entwining. Other versions talk about sin that so easily and cleverly entangles or easily trips us up. So here we've got all these obstacles with the backpack of stuff we're carrying, with the sin that's clinging to us. And the writer says here in Hebrews, get rid of it. You've got to get rid of this so that you can persevere in this great race of faith. And God has given us all the tools we need to be able to do that. Jesus, think of Jesus. He endured such opposition and ridicule and scorn, and pain, and torture, and betrayal. Yet he did not allow anything to stop him from finishing his race. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus predicted his death, good old Peter, I love Peter, I really do, what a great character he is. But he bursts out saying, this shall never happen to you. And what was Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block, a hindrance, an obstacle to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to look at the obstacles in our life, recognise what they are, get rid of them, get rid of that sin that wants to cling 
so that we can keep moving on in this great race of faith. Next, we need to recognise the battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of, the e of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a battle. Now Satan despises us and he will do whatever it takes to make us slow down in our race, to make sure we get injured, but his ultimate goal is for us to forfeit the race altogether to just get us out. And we really need to recognise that we are in a battle and we need to choose our battles wisely. We can't sweat the small stuff. You know, if you're rehearsing stuff in your mind over an offence or somebody's hurt you, deal with that. But as you're replaying it in your mind and you think that's where the battle is, that that person did this to me or this has happened to me, you're not looking at the battle in the right way. We are in a spiritual battle. And time we're thinking about that stuff is time will never get back. But the word says that we need to stand. We need to take a stand against the devil's schemes and we can come against those things in the name of Jesus. We are in a battle, but we've got everything we need. We put on that full armour of God and we can stand against that. So we need to recognise the battle. Next, trials produce perseverance. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, when some of you hear this verse, you might be going, la, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to hear it. Because our natural mind just goes, are you kidding me? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. It is so counterintuitive. But let me provide some context around this passage of scripture. Who wrote it and what were they thinking? Okay, we know it's James because it's from the book of James. James, Jesus is a brother. So I'm sure he is more than qualified to have written this passage of scripture, to write the book of James. And the letter expresses James' concern for the persecuted Christians who are now scattered throughout uh, the Mediterranean. They were part of the Jerusalem church. Now this book was written in AD 49, about 19 years after Jesus' death. Now this is the passage of scripture that I was talking about that really challenged me when I was going through that difficult time earlier this year. And I was driving in the car. I love to drive in the car and talk to God and pray. Don't worry, I always keep my eyes open when I'm doing that. And I'm crying out to God. I'm going, God, this passage of scripture, consider it joy. And I said, Lord, I need to get this. I, I I read it and I believe it, but I want to live it. I want to own this. I want to be able to say it right now. And I would declare it. And it didn't matter how I felt because I knew it was true. 
And I got to the point where I was thanking God for the circumstance that I was in. I was praising him for it. It wasn't the actual circumstance that I was praising him and being joyous about. It's what it was going to produce in me. I was confident of that. And so I was able to say, I'm joyful because this is going to test my faith and there's going to be a perseverance in me and there's going to be a maturing in me. And I claim that in the name of Jesus. And it was incredible. I was thanking God for the actual circumstance. In the NIT Study Bible, let me read a note from there which I found quite profound. It said, we can't really know the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. I really think that's worth reading again. We can't really know the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. And I asked myself recently this question, who would I be today without the trials that I've been through in my life, without some of the difficulties I've been through in my life? I really pondered on that. And I can honestly say I'm grateful for those hard times. I'm glad they've passed, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking for them back in a hurry. But I'm really grateful for them because I know that I'm stronger in God and I hope my character's being built. I believe it has and I haven't arrived. I've got a long way to go. There's always going to be challenges but I'm so grateful for them and I know my God has got me through each and every one and I give praise and glory to him. You know, there's no surprises when it comes to the trials in our lives. You know, whether you've recently been through one or you're going through one now, you're going to go through one soon. Aren't you glad I'm preaching this morning? But the Bible talks about the trials that we'll go through. Peter tells us suffering for being a Christian. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So I love that. Don't be surprised as if it was strange. And I remember thinking early in my Christian walk I mean I would say things like oh God why is this happening to me and why is this going on Lord and you know I'd have a bit of a whinge and I do every now and then don't get me wrong but I don't say why God now anymore and it's okay to say that and it's okay to question and when we don't understand but I guess as as I've matured as a Christian I think well God you're being God you you're being you you're doing great but what's happening in me right now going through this? What, what good fruit is it going to produce in me and through me? So remember, trials produce perseverance. Next in our great race of faith, we need to train for spiritual endurance. Now, I can't see you down the camera there, but wave Anyway, if you, oh, I've got people here waving, which is great. There's, there's a handful of us here and that's okay. Um, if you are super fit, 
You can say, yeah, I work out, I'm super fit. I know we've got some gym junkies and all the rest of it. Um, but you know what gets me about exercise is it, why is it that, you know, you exercise and you're diligent and you're doing it and doing it and doing it and it's really good, but when you stop, it doesn't take very long and you just blah. And you have to actually start back from scratch. I hate that about exercise. I mean, we know to get fit, you need to keep doing it, right? You've got to keep this daily routine or whatever it is. I mean, imagine if I bought an exercise DVD and 12 months later, I went into the store and said, um, excuse me, I just got a complaint. I'd like to take this DVD back because I have been watching it every day for 12 months and I don't look like this. No, they're going to think I'm crazy, right? We have to train. We have to discipline if we want to get in shape. And it's the same of Christianity. We need to do spiritual workouts. We need to get into the spiritual gym and build our spiritual muscles. That's why it's so important to read God's word. It's not just like a ticker box for the day to read, study and meditate upon it. Like when I was talking to you about that scripture in James, I want to get this. I want to own this. I want to live this. I need to do that training for spiritual endurance. I need to be uh, in prayer with God and worshipping him. Those are all the things that are going to build my spiritual muscles so that I can sustain myself in this great race of faith. You know, I start an exercise program and I go hard and I'm committed and then I see a muffin and I don't want to exercise anymore. And it's like I'll go really well and then I quit but I know within myself, I could do so much more like to get fit, like I'm not pushing myself to the limit that I could. Let's just say I'm consistently inconsistent and we'll leave it at that. But the Christian walk is a daily walk. Jesus said, pick up your cross on Sunday, every now and then and follow me. No. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily thing that we need to do. And quitting is not an option for the Christian. If we want to run this great race of faith, we need to recognise those obstacles. We need to understand that we are in a battle. We need to realise that trials produce perseverance and we need to train for spiritual endurance we can't quit we need to continue on now Paul talks about going into strict training in Corinthians he says do you not know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way as you get the prize everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, it's really interesting because this passage of scripture was written 
in the backdrop of the Isthmian Games. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say Isthmian, but don't spray on them when you say it, okay? Now, this event was equivalent to the Olympics and it was held in about 16 kilometres from Corinth. And the Games brought people from all over the Mediterranean to either compete or to watch. And it was the Emperor's best talent, EGT, Emperor's Got Talent. And the athletes would compete in foot races and jumping and discus throwing and wrestling and boxing and even equestrian events. And they would compete fiercely for one thing, the Isthmian crown, a wreath of dry wild celery. Now, no wonder they were so keen to compete, right? Because of course you'd do that. But there was more prizes and I'm, I'm thinking, my mind goes crazy sometimes. Like if somebody was promoing it today and like they wanted you to compete in the games, imagine if they said, if you compete in the Isthmian games, you'll receive, and you're a winner, you'll receive a lifetime exemption from paying taxes and serving in the military. You'll also receive free tuition from one of our universities and there'll be a statue of yourself erected along the path to the Games. Now I think of the Australian Open, you know, when they go through to centre court and you can see all the finalists, their big pictures. Ah, that was nothing. These guys got a statue of themselves. It was full on. But the real prize was that dry, wild celery wreath. But Paul says... They do it for a perishable crown. They were busting their gut for a perishable crown, something that wouldn't last. But why do we run? Why do we do this? Why do we train? Because we do it to receive a crown that will last forever. You know, our finish line is heaven. We are heaven bound. This imperishable crown that is going to last forever. How can we quit knowing that when we know we're running this race and yeah, it gets tough, it gets hard, it gets difficult. We think of Derek Redman, but he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He finished his race. And that's what we need to think of and keep that at the forefront of our minds. The reason why we are running, the reason why we are training, the reason why we need to recognise the obstacles, the reason why we need to throw off everything that hinders. There's a great reason for that because we are running this race for a glorious crown that will last forever. Can I hear a hallelujah and amen from the people at home? Oh, I've got one here, that's great. Crossing the finish line. This sermon is now on the home stretch. Demas is mentioned three times in the New Testament. In Colossians and Philemon, Paul actually talks about him as his fellow worker in the gospel. But in 2 Timothy, there's a heartbreaking turn of events in Demas's race of faith. And Paul says, Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me. Can you imagine Paul's heartbreak? He's in prison writing this. Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me. And I'm sure Demas started his race strong with fervour and excitement and wanting to endure. 
However, worldly success took him away rather than living a life for Christ. And throughout his life, Paul saw many abandon the call of Christ for lesser things. But after he spoke about Demas, seven verses later, he says, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. Even though Paul stood alone, God provided for him in his deepest times of need. And I think of Jesus in Gethsemane. And we'll never know or understand the anguish he felt when he was all on his own and he asked his closest around, stay, watch and pray, and they fell asleep. And I think that we can all go through Gethsemane experiences. Don't get me wrong, nothing remotely compared to what Jesus went through. But when we feel abandoned, when we feel all alone, when we feel like even the closest people around us are not there, and it's in those vulnerable times we can feel like quitting and giving up, it can tempt us to do that. But we've got to stay in this race of faith. If I can have the worship team, please come and join us join me. You know, I started this message with Derek Redman and at the beginning of the year I googled him just to see what, what he's up to now and I found a clip uh, where he was speaking. It was um, done in 2019 which was 27 years after he competed in the 92 Olympics and at the time of him recording that he was 54 years of age and he said this, I wasn't going to be beaten by the Olympics. I felt I could live with finishing eighth in the semi-final and getting knocked out, but I couldn't live with not finishing at all. So what can we learn from Derek? He trained, he was disciplined, he gave it his all, but he didn't quit. Despite the pain that he was in, he did not quit. Even though people were trying to stop him, I, I encourage you to watch that video. We couldn't play it here because of copyright reasons. It only goes for about five minutes. You know, there are people trying to stop him from finishing his race, but he didn't quit. And then when the father breaks through the crowd, it's incredible, just wrapping his arms around him. You know, Derek did not get a medal that day. And I don't know if anybody knows or remembers, I'm sure some historians, who came first, second or third. But a lot of people remember Derek Redman. He had a standing ovation of 65,000 people. That's nothing compared to when we cross our finish line in heaven. Can you imagine? Oh, the angels rejoicing. Yay! You made it! Woohoo! Come on in, come home. I long to hear the words one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the Apostle Paul's final encouragement to Timothy when he was in prison can be summarised in this. Be strong, Timothy. Don't give up. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how much pain or opposition you're coming against, don't give up. Even if you stand alone, keep fighting for the truth. 
Don't stop running your race and keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. Knowing his time was drawing near, Paul was confidently able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He crossed the finish line. And you know, so can you and I. And I don't know what you're going through right now. My heart feels stirred and moved because there's a lot of people in a lot of pain and struggle. And I don't know what part of this message spoke to you. Maybe it was, wow, I didn't realise that I've got some obstacles that I need to just throw off and drop like a sack of potatoes. Or, wow, that sin has been really clinging to me and I need to deal with that stuff. Or maybe you've recognised that you are in a battle and that you've just been sweating the small stuff and you need to take your stand in the name of Jesus and fight the good fight of faith. Or maybe you're looking at your trials differently now and you go, I need to know that what I'm going to go through is going to do something bigger in me than I could ever dream or imagine. Lord, help me consider it joy right now so that I can persevere, so that I can endure, so that I can mature. Or maybe you've stopped training. Maybe you're just not training for that endurance and the Word of God is kind of like just left on the side or praying to Him. Maybe you're discouraged and you think, why bother? I don't know what your circumstance is, but you know you're not going in this race on your own. Just like the Father came to Derek, how much more our Heavenly Father comes to us when he knows we're hurting and we're limping and we can't take one more step. So just before the team sings their final song and Joe comes up to close, I'd love to pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that we are in this great race of faith, Lord God, and that you are with us every step of the way. Father, I pray for everybody right now who can hear these words. I pray that you would touch them and you would bless them and you would meet them where they are at right now, Lord. You know the struggles You know the pain. You know the heartache, Lord. You know those who even yesterday were just thinking, that's it, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. Oh, Father, I pray for those who are discouraged right now. Lord, that you would envelop them, that they would feel hugs from heaven, knowing that they can do this, that you are there by their side every step of the way. Oh, Father, I pray that we'll get a renewed excitement for your word, Lord, to read and meditate on it and to be with you, Father, as we train and do those spiritual workouts, Lord, to sustain us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we're not doing this race for nothing, Lord God, but we have a crown that will last forever waiting for us, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so amazing. You're incredible. You are a good, good father. So, Lord, for those who are really facing trials that 
I can't understand. Lord, meet them where they're at, Lord. I pray for incredible breakthroughs. I pray for supernatural miracles, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally. I speak that right now in Jesus' name. Bless your precious people. Thank you, Father. Amen.